Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to a live edition from Gamma Trade Show of Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest today is Tommy Gofton with, Tommy, who are you with? Lynn Vander Studios. Lynn Vander Studios. Yeah. And you have been in the Kickstarter space for quite a while. You've done quite a bit. Tell the audience a little bit about your background and kind of how you started. Oh, well, um, Kickstarter to me is like one of the best and worst double-edged swords I've had to deal with for any of the business enterprising that I've been doing over the last few years. Uh, it started with, uh, well, first off, I should say that uh, my introduction to Kickstarter was with board gaming. I've done uh, other Kickstarters and other avenues since, but... Um, I was there to make a board game, um, and then I switched into board gaming from my previous career of film. So just so we're clear, you were dared to make a board game. I was dared to make a board game. Yep. Yep. And uh, I, I took up that dare. The dare took it from one stage to the next and became uh, quite, quite like, it started to do very well, the actual board game. And because of my years in film and graphic design and all that stuff, I was able to cut a lot of the... Um, at the corners, per se, literally, and create good prototypes and, and a decent-looking game. And we didn't know where to go from that point. And, uh, you know, we could have gone traditional to try and, you know, pitch to publishers and stuff like sure. that. But uh, someone introduced me to Kickstarter and said, you should give it a shot here. So we did. And uh, it was fun. It was successful. I mean, this is probably 2013, 2014. So back when Kickstarter is when, you know, when when, when forty or $50,000 was a big Kickstarter, right? right? And uh, we did. We ended up doing forty thousand on it, which isn't bad for a no name out of the out of the blue kind of Kickstarter. Uh, we asked for ten, and and then I fell into the uh, into the heavy heavy Kickstarter trap, which is not really knowing your. Of course, also being new to the uh, board game industry in general, no publisher lined up, no distribution lined up, nothing lined up, and just kickstarted a game. Then we have to make it. Okay, so this dare just keeps stacking on the plates. Right. Kind of like a sushi boat. Just keeps stacking on the plates. And uh, and so uh, one thing led to the other. And, uh, you know, we had, you know you, when, you kick a, when you kick a Kickstarter, you get caught into this fever. And as much as you re- want to read Jamie Stegmeier or you want to read any, any articles you can about people's other horror stories and you listen to panels or podcasts or do whatever you want, if you do a Kickstarter, no matter how trained you are, you're going to fall into this weird sense of like this, this like zeitgeist of a hype when it's live, this rush that says, do more, add more. And you start throwing logic and math out the window because the hype is real. And you think, oh, I'll take care of this later because you don't have time to right. think methodically about it. And then in your case, it piled on, piled on, and then you ended up with this product and I think one of the things you told me is that now you had to deliver it. Yes. So delivering it, we, one thing, you know, A, B, C, D, we led, led to, to the end of the alphabet there and we delivered it. Uh, the problem was is that in the process of being ignorant on manufacturing and production and all that stuff uh, put us into a few traps and let us be taken advantage of a little bit by some, some manufacturers out there and stuff. And they delivered essentially a 100% effective product, and they didn't guide us at all in any way in, what, in the mistakes we were making. Like you mentioned, you know, there's been people who have kickstarted games and gotten in trouble and then dug sure. themselves out of the hot water. Um, there was a game back in the day, Ogre. Our game was a big box like Ogre, and we didn't need to have a big box. The entire thing was defective. And uh, the, they, they didn't put the appropriate components in, yada, yada, yada. The next, day, next thing was, is we found, and this is where the reputation of Kickstarter for me came about, was that I, here I am at the ability, yeah, I've delivered a defective product to all my clients, and I went, I couldn't sleep. 
I was like, you know what? I, I technically fulfilled my vow. I delivered a game. It's a 6 or 7 out of 10. There's a defect in there. Most of the backers didn't even know. They didn't even care. I couldn't live with myself. And what They got like this crappy paper tray. They were missing an entire card. Like No one knew, but it, I couldn't deal with it. Screen printed dice instead of etched. And so finally I just... Update number 77. That's what I call it. Update number 77. Um, I got up in the middle of the night and I wrote the update. And I said, guys, I can't sleep. Uh, you know, you, you get you, you, you start to follow down this path. And you, it turns into a bit of a dream and you like it. You want to do something with this. And um, you open the box for the first time. And then it turns into an absolute nightmare. So the update 77, I said, so here's what I'm going to do. It's going to take a long time. And it's probably going to wreck me. But I'm going to research and redo the entire game and I'm just going to give it to everybody I'm paying the costs I'll ship it to you all I'll deal with it it's not going to happen in time effective but it's going to happen um, and it's going to cost me a lot of money but I'm going to have to do this out of my own pocket and I'm going to have to go back to my film life to try and like make that kind of money to make it happen but I can't sleep until this game looks the way I want it to look and is the way I want it to, it to be so it was going to take a long time I knew that we were, it was going to take a lot of money a lot of effort and so so when we when that when that news hit when that news hit it was going to be uh, it, it hit like wildfire everybody there was forums talking about it people were messaging me like crazy everybody wanted to do whatever they did um, and people were like messaging me saying I like to donate like a thousand dollars and stuff like that and I said no I, I I appreciate this and to be honest I'm like wow that would have been really helpful at yeah, the time. I refused it because I didn't want people to think it was just some sort of cash grab. Or and some kind of uh, pr- promo thing. Promo stunt, thing, yeah. Right? It's a stunt. stunt. I, lived, I had to refuse it. Not, not, not that I – and I wanted to refuse it because let's, that's the whole point of this conversation right now is that we're talking about Kickstarter integrity. And I think Kickstarter integrity is a term that no one really knows right now. And I'm trying to bring it in here and say, like, let's coin this for a second. Kickstarter – there's Kickstarter delivery. There's Kickstarter fulfillment – but it's not Kickstarter integrity. And, you know, and that brings up a, a valid point because what you're discovering in the board game space, and I've had this conversation here at Gamma with a variety of personalities that are here, and that is that when they back something on Kickstarter that's in the board game space, they're fairly confident now that they're going to get it. In tech, who knows what you're going to get right? right. on Kickstarter. Some of these other ones. But in the board game space, there is this integrity that has crept in to the Kickstarter economy where people are backing each other up and they're, and they're stepping up. It's starting to turn that way now. It is. It wasn't always that way. No, and, and we've had our own series of failures out there. But in this case, you had a failure that you turned... Uh, I did deliver the game. You it did, did go out. The- I delivered the game. Uh, it's called Albion's Legacy. It was delivered to all the backers. The problem I faced then is that I ended up kicking more projects as I was going along, and I fell into this like backlog track, which I, which I to my integrity, a lot of my backers believed that it was going to come now, now patience is a whole other thing and i get it people's patience can be tried and, and years can go on like months can go by years can go by and product doesn't fully get fulfilled but i'm always the easily i'm the person that will go out of my way to make sure that i can fulfill it and people are realizing that it took years for me because i had other projects on the go it took years for me to save up enough money to be able to to backlog pay everything else that needed to be paid out and I'm doing that literally right now. Four years later, the final products are finally being delivered. Everybody's getting their six dice that they're missing and messaging me going, three years later, I got my six dice. I don't care that it was late. You actually fulfilled it. What do you want me to kick next? Right. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And that brings us to what do you want them to kick next? And that's what we're here to talk about. Because, yeah. Because we have some other of these 
issues that are out there in the industry right now? So I've got a unique position there because there was a company out of Seattle that contacted me and wanted me to do some board game development work for them. Uh, and they're called Space Go Productions, and they, we did uh, the Terminator game that they kickstarted, and they have been on the show. And uh, oh, the the Space Go guys have been on the show. They've been on the show. Yes. Well then, so they hired us to do the Terminator game, and they were doing Terminator shortly after Evil Dead Two, which was they were in doing the same mistakes and the same trappings <coughs> that I did with my games at twenty to forty thousand dollars, but they were at seven hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars and creeping into a million and behind uh, deliveries. And I and they wanted me to consult them on stuff based on my failures and my lessons learned. And I consulted them, but they didn't listen to anything I said. And they continued making the same mistakes. And I'm like, okay, it's easy. It's not easy. It's easier to dig out of your out of the Kickstarter hole for twenty to thirty thousand dollars than it is two hundred thousand right. or two million, right? And um, so then, you know, one thing led to the other. I think the news is fairly is fairly well out there in terms of what happened to Space Goat and what happened to the Evil Dead Two and Terminator. And they kind of all just went belly up and disappeared into the sand. So now you've got uh, a combination of ten thousand plus backers and sales, and maybe uh, over a million in in uh, actual revenue gone, just gone. Ten thousand disappointed people stranded on an island. I couldn't sleep again. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Now, my name was only attached to the Terminator one, and we removed it fairly quickly because it was, it, we knew it was a sinking ship really quick, and we tried to help them as best we could. But sometimes you just have to let people fall. And um, I just was thinking about it over and over again. I'm like, there's got to be a way to find out. There's got to be a way to, 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 to get these games done. How? Well, the how was, as a, as a game design studio, we worked for probably a good dozen publishers out there. And I thought, well... One of these 12 publishers is going to take this opportunity and they're going to listen to us and go with us. And the idea was we need to build a heartthrob campaign. This heartthrob campaign is um, basically what it is is that look, we have a cost of a game. The cost of the game is like $10 or $12 or um, whatever it ends up being. And uh, because this game, I think I think Evil Dead was like $10 to $12 based on So, so we're talking about Evil Dead now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the cost of the game was like 10 to $12. And so we need to find out if we have 7,000 backers um, that we need to fulfill the game to. Well, 7,000 times 10 to $70,000. Plus and minus all the overdrages and things we need to bring in. We need to raise about $80,000 and we can give everybody their game. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Not for a Kickstarter and not for a license, right? There's a lot of power behind Kickstarters. We've got, we need to get seventy or $80,000. Okay. So how do we do this? Well, I said to the first, I said to all the publishers that I ran into in, in sequence until the first person took it, and I said, if you jump in, if you don't accept a royalty and you don't accept a payment at first, we do our design, we redesign the product from scratch or whatever we need to with whatever assets we can attain, then, and, then, and, then, and then the licensor gives us permission to do this, and everyone goes pro bono at the beginning. We don't have to worry about all those extra fees and stuff to kick the game. We're kicking a regularly scheduled game. Where you're going with this is, is that you think that you can actually leverage, because of the, the profit margins and the way you're doing this, is that one backer can actually sustain yeah. and support several Thank backers. you. Yeah, this thing is, <laughs> honest to God, the bane of my existence right now. Don't open three restaurants in one month no. and then, then come to Gamma. Uh, so, yes, it's exactly the point. Uh, ten, ten bucks, let's say, per game... And if you, mar if you average the game to be about 80 bucks on Kickstarter, minus the Kickstarter fees and stuff like that, and your profit margins are built in there, you're going to make like 40 bucks off the game, 
oh, that's four do- four people whose ba- games can be back. Now we only need to raise three. We need to get three thousand backers to fund the whole thing. Three thousand additional backers. Not hard for Evil Dead Two, especially not hard if seven thousand fans have hope that they go. Oh my God, you could get us these games. They're going to be our crusaders because when this project, uh, Evil Dead Two, when did they give their money for the the Kickstarter project, Evil Dead Two? Oh, two years ago, three right. years ago. And how much money was the average pledge? Do you have any idea? Oh, it was pretty heavy. If they didn't buy the special edition wooden dice, which also didn't get fulfilled, um, they, it was gosh, a couple hundred. So a couple hundred each backer put in yeah. a couple hundred dollars. Some people up to five hundred. Now those those are the the outliers. But if if I'm a backer and I put in Say 150 just for the $150 two years ago for something I really wanted. And now you're coming back and saying, look, there's a chance if you guys get together, friends, whatever, and for just a little bit more, relatively speaking, because that money's gone and it's not coming back. Right. And now it's like I'm backing a new project. If you can get over the sting of being had yeah. or you know, abandoned, yeah. if you can get over that sting, then yes, I'm in a position to emotionally forget that and take advantage of this again. And now I actually get to help other people. I think that's kind of where you're going. With that's this exactly all. where it went. And, and with, when the news first hit, there was a whole wave of skepticism. I don't believe it. This is, this is ridiculous. I, I, I wrote this off and blah, 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 but they wouldn't leave. Right. They wouldn't leave. <laughs> Some people were getting so irate about it that they were starting to argue with other people who were like, what are you saying? These guys are trying to help. The fact that they're trying to help is more than enough for us to try and support it. And, you know, I might even back whatever they want. Oh, that's why they're doing it. Publicity stunt, publicity right. stunt. It's like, let's be honest here. There's a double-edged sword behind this. Yes, number one, there's a publicity stunt behind this. This makes us look really good. Why are we doing this, though? Number two, which is the, the actual more important reason is we don't – we want to make board games for a living. We want to make board games to stay. We want to make this industry work. And in order to do that, the industry has to be healthy. If you've got a cancerous agent like this in the industry, it wrecks it for all of us. So in some cases, it's not actually altruistic and fun. It's a necessity. Somebody has to don the armor, go in and kill the bad guy, fix it up and make the industry healthy so that we can all make sales and make a living. So right. it's a survival tactic too, and 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 in this industry, this isn't just customers walking into a store. No. This is a community that says that we are doing this together, and I think that's what's been transformational about Kickstarter in this industry, particularly, is that the community now is empowered to affect real change yeah. amongst the things that they're passionate about. Absolutely, and there's one more factor: it's fun. This is fun. We get to save something together. We get to we get to meet. I get to meet seven thousand new people, of, of which seven hundred of them contact me regularly. Right? I get seven hundred friends and friends out there that are like we're, we're shooting the breeze, doing whatever we want. Like there's there's a there's there's a uh, like an engagement factor, community engagement factor that you can't get anywhere else just from trying to save something. It's like say why do people why do people why do hundreds of people gather in third world countries and build a house for somebody? It's hard work in crappy weather with Malay like. What was it? Uh, malaria and all, whatever the hell you can get. Like, there's a ton of it. But why do they do it? And they make friends for life. Like, there, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's something to be said about the Knights of the Round Table crusading together. And sure. that's exactly what this is. And so, and so what, what are we looking at? What's the, the timing on this? So the, the, the publisher of the bit, first off, was Jasco Games. Uh, because it took four days for them to realize what was going on. And on the, we were in a strategic meeting in Wisconsin. And I kept mentioning it and kept mentioning it. And I really wanted them to bite because they're the ones that are kind of crazy with me. And, uh, and then on the fourth day, we were sitting for coffee. And he just goes, 
It makes sense. It make the math makes sense, and it actually is really a smart idea. So what we're going to do is is uh, actually as soon as March uh, coming up in March. I can't give the date away, but basically we're in March. We're almost at end of March, and it's not sometime the, here in March. It's not the end of March, but it's before the end of March. Um, we are we're going to kick it. We're going to launch it off. We're just waiting for final license or approvals and stuff, and then we're kicking this thing. Um, What's it going to be called? It's going to be called the Evil Dead Two Heartthrob Campaign. Okay. Um, the, uh, the the whole the whole point of the campaign is that we are going to just kick it like a normal game. The difference is is that we're going to kick it for a higher production number, with the extra seven to ten thousand games tacked onto what the production number is going to be. The licensor doesn't take royalties. We don't take as the design team don't take royalties. The artists have decided to give their art. Uh, unless it reaches a certain echelon, and then the publisher doesn't take any royalties. We're doing this entire thing for nothing, except if we hit the echelon. If we hit the certain marker, which is the funding goal, then not only are we going to be able to fulfill all the people who are currently backing, all the previous backers, but then we'll also have some overage to put into stores, and that is the where all the money gets made for us. So if we have an extra 4000 to 10000 or 1000 even going into stores... Then the royalties get split off toward the design team, um, the licensor, and the publishers. And then we can make other print runs and we can kick other product for it. And now it becomes an actual licensed product that we can keep doing. And as we wrap up, Tommy, do you think that you're establishing or found or stumbled onto a precedent that allows this to be done for not necessarily the exact same thing, but other opportunities that are out there like this? Well, I can tell you there are a number of publishers and people out there who are watching this and have told me, they're like, I'm, 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 I wanna, I'm so curious. There's the skeptics out there that are like, yeah, really good business people out there that I work with even that are skeptics. They're like, I don't think this could be done. This is, you, you're crazy. Other people are like, if you do this... I have my own personal one up front yeah. that uh, went money, legal issues. The money went away. The game never got made. So, yes, there's, a, there's, several, there's lots of different projects that are out there, these little orphan projects that people are passionate about. And I'm telling you, if it works, if it works and people see it, I think it's going to create a whole new trend of trying to rescue the projects that are in that same kind of position. Lynn Vander might be the people that are doing it for other people. This stuff might already be in conversation, and people are saying, let's wait and see how you do for Evil Dead 2. Right. And if that works, we need to talk. And I don't mind being that. I mean, if that's as a nerd, everyone likes to be labeled something cool. Sure. And if I got to be like some sort of crusader that's going to go out and save all these projects, hey, some people go and feed children. I'll just find another way to do save it. Save games. I'll save games. All right, Tommy, thanks very much for joining me. No problem. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Tommy, Go- Tommy Gofton with. Uh, Lynn Vander Game. Studios. Studios, yeah. thank you. Yes, yeah, one of those awkward names. And we've been here at uh, live at the Gamma Trade Show, and he's uh, shared some very interesting perspectives of, of how the Kickstarter integrity is such a key component of what we do and how we're successful in the industry, and I really much appreciate his thoughts. You can find more notes of this at our Facebook group, Funding the Dream on Kickstarter Facebook group. That's a mouthful, but thanks for listening. Take care.